Hello there and welcome to episode 17 of Nothing Else Matters, the music podcast that's setting out to establish what we think are the 100 greatest albums ever made. Um, to do that, we have been reviewing uh, the latest list from the Rolling Stone magazine of their favourite 100 albums and we've been voting them in and out. Um, at the moment, we have voted 52 of the 80 albums reviewed um, as in, and that's 65%. Um, we're going to review another five tonight, and uh, tonight we have uh, on our panel, we have our friends Lisa Semple. Lisa, good evening. Hi, good evening. And we have John Welsh. Hi, John, how you doing, mate? I'm very well, Brian, thank you. Good man. Thanks, thanks you both for coming on, and we'll mm -hmm. have some fun as usual with, with this lot. Uh, okay, got five to do, and the first one on the list tonight is uh, Radiohead Kiddie. So if you just give me one second, I will get up the Rolling Stone thing. It's just blocked out on me. Mm-hmm. 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 Hello there and welcome to episode 17 of Nothing Else Matters uh, Music Podcast. It's setting out to try and establish what we think are the 100 greatest albums ever made. Um, to do that, we've been reviewing the latest Rolling Stone list of their 100 favourites and voting them in and out. Uh, at the moment, we've got 52 out of 80 signed off. We're going to review another five tonight. Uh, with us to do that uh, are Lisa Semple. Good evening, Lisa. Hello, how are you doing? Very well, thank you. Good to see you. And John Welsh. Hi, John. Hello. Hi, Brian. Hi mate, how are you doing? Um, have we got a lag there between Greenock and, and Denny? Hi John! <laughs> I, I, I just, my mind went blank and he went, how are you doing? I was like, how am I doing? <laughs> how am I doing? Sure. You'll be doing better next week, right? Always, yes. Yeah, yeah, you'll yeah. sunnier climbs soon. Mm. Okay, so the first one on the list tonight uh, is from Radiohead and Kaday. So we'll just give a quick summary of the Rolling Stone comment and then John's going to take us away. A new, uniquely fearless kind of rock record for a new, increasingly fearful century. Radiohead's fourth album, released in October 2000, remains one of the most stunning sonic makeovers in music history. The band had the freedom to do whatever it wanted after its 1997 alt-rock breakthrough, OK Computer. Quote, everyone expected us to become this U2 type of band with that stadium credibility, bassist Colin Greenwood said. Instead, frontman Tom York gorged on albums by avant-techno avant innovator Avex Twin and other artists on the Watt Records roster, inspiring him to put down his guitar and embrace the glacial beauty of abstract electronics, glitchy beats and the challenge of freeform composition. It was difficult for the others, because when you're working with a synthesizer, it's like there's no connection, York said in 2017. What emerged uh, was at once scary and enveloping, pitched between deep alienation and profound tenderness. From the womb-like ambient flow of everything in its right place, to the free jazz implosion, the national anthem, to the gizmo groove paranoia of um, idiotic. I find it difficult to think of the path we've chosen as rock music, York told Rolling Stone in 2000. Kid A is like getting a massive eraser out and starting again. So that's the summary. Uh, Kid A, it was released on the 2nd of October 2000, and it's the second album they've had on the list Radiohead, we had OK Computer. A while back, which we voted in. John, take us away, mate, on Kiddy. Yeah, so you mentioned OK Computer, and I think my comments on that album at the time were I, I didn't think I was going to enjoy it, but I was really pleasantly surprised and mm -hmm. really, really liked it. Um, so I hadn't listened to this album, and having listened to it, am I pleasantly surprised? No, I'm not. Um, it's nonsense, quite frankly. Okay. Um, utter nonsense. Ambient electronic jazz nonsense, to give it its full title. Um, Is I don't it even get ambient? It. Yeah, well, it's not ambient to me. It made me <clears throat> bloody boil my piss, so it was. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I just, I don't get this type of music. You know, and uh, reading into it, you know, they... Tom York, you know, was suffering from writer's block, you know, uh, feelings of, I think, paranoia. The band was crashing and burning, just about split up, couldn't come up with lyrics. Um, 
and he talks about cutting up phrases and using them in the lyrics. It's almost like improv comedy in an improv music way. I've never mm-hmm. seen any good improv comedy. It's rubbish. This is similar in a music vein. Um, so Bowie, I, I, Bowie I, did a lot of cut-up lyrics. Yeah, but Tom York isn't David Bowie, <laughs> right? Okay, I'm just, and, and another yeah. thing, you know, you were talking about they could have went down this U2 route. No offence to Radiohead, but they're, they're never in the same league as U2, um, quite frankly. The, have they done something left field? Absolutely. Um, do people get it? Yes, they do. Am I one of them? No, I'm not. Um, it's a complete change of direction. I get that. No singles, no videos. No wonder, quite frankly. <laughs> uh, and, and my, you know, there, there's just nothing that stands out. You know, I, I'd probably say that the national anthem is probably the one song that I like on it. Um, it's quite repetitive, but, mm. but in a good way. And you can see how that's maybe influenced bands that have came from, you know, from mm. then onwards, such as Black Country, New Road. Mm. I can I can totally see them picking up some of that uh, type of thing coming through. But um, I wouldn't even put this in top three Radiohead albums. I, I just, I, 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 you know, if, if I never hear this, record again it'll be too soon quite frankly um pish <laughs> okay <laughs> lisa <laughs> I don't know what to um okay so okay computer we voted that in. To follow that. <laughs> yeah so we, we voted that in it was absolutely a left turn i mean there's there's oodles of coverage about it if, if you chose to go into you know who where how where it came from they had a bit of a breakdown on tour or he did is a way he resets himself. They have a goat making the records. The band aren't getting on at all. There's you, you know literally five individuals going their own way. Um, they record stuff. Nothing happens. Basically, it's, it's you know substandard. Even in their opinion, it's substandard. And they basically said, if we can get an album, we're happy with. We're going to split up. So they went from okay, computer being pretty much kind of recognised across the the um the market to almost splitting up two or three years later. So do you think does it? I had a feeling it maybe felt like a Tom York album, John, not a Radiohead album, if that makes sense. But, yeah, yeah, it probably does. I mean, I think, you know, reading between the lines, um, I think a lot of the band were quite disillusioned before it was going on as well, um, because they weren't playing certain songs. Hmm. And that was a bit, you know, wait a minute, we're a band, you know, we're supposed to play together. Um but once I think they started to see the results and you know how that was coming out, they eventually bought into that. Yeah, yeah, they did, and and so. su- surprisingly, it became massive seller, number one UK, number one Billboard. Hmm. Doesn't feel like a number one Billboard record at all. Um, you know, sometimes that market's quite a tough one to to get into and crack. But whatever they were trying to do did did get did get recognition mm. from the market so i wonder whether i think i, I said just before we come on there when these um these polls have came through this is the third time this one's been on the poll and it's went from it was ranked 428 in the first one to 67 on the second one to 20 on this one so whatever's perception there is of the record out there among the guys that vote it there's obviously something changing around that record so you, you don't think there's any of that stuff that you can we ask you in uh, nine years' time to review it. Do you see yourself having a different view? Uh, yeah, I'll, pro- I'll probably <laughs> not be as nice about it in nine years' time as I've been tonight. Uh, okay, I'm trying my best here, mate. Come on, I'm trying my best. Um, okay, Lisa. Pity. I see quite a bit of background there of what was going on with the band, but at the end of the day, it's the infrastructure that yeah, yeah. It is important. Um, I don't know, for me, it, it was it was a bit of a, it's hard to explain, because a bit of a sort of cacophony of sound, but in a very kind of sort of quiet, dreamlike way. But there was a certain unease about it that um, between his vocals and the, 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 the music 
I, I, I don't know, it just made me feel really quite anxious. And mm-hmm. there was no real um, resolution from that. I just felt like that the whole album, there was maybe parts of it that I quite enjoyed and reminded me a bit more of, I wasn't on the OK Computer panel, I don't think, but um, I actually did really like OK Computer. Um, I think that those moments of unease, were, there was always some sort of resolution musically that that brought that sense of calm about. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know if any of that makes sense. It's 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 yeah, it does. Yeah, being with John in that it just didn't click with me. Um, I suppose the the best I, I I did enjoy OK Computer. I don't, and I still sometimes play that. There's something about it. Mm-hmm. I still quite really enjoy. I think. I mean, they're really well-trained musicians classically, are they not? A couple of them are, yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, you know, they, they get music. That's definitely the, more an okay computer, I would say. And I prefer the more um, with the guitar sound of that than the sort of electronics that mm-hmm. just doesn't do it for me. Um I've got to say that my um, my favourite, this is sorry a bit off topic, but my favourite um, Radiohead song is the cover they did of the Smiths, Headmaster's Ritual. I don't know if you've ever heard it. I have heard it, yeah. Ooh, I've not. It's in the Look it up. It's in, they do it in the studio and it is brilliant. It's really brilliant. So um, that's probably my favourite Radiohead. So... Um, so after all their whole career, the fa- your best that's, song's that's, a cover of a Smith guitar. song, right? Yeah. Just guitars and song, that's yeah, yeah, yeah. more my kind of thing than this sort of sonic kind of sound that uh, just doesn't do it for me, I'm afraid. Okay, well, listen, you're in fairly good company. When when this came out, the reviews weren't particularly good at all. So um, one, of the, one of the kind of key guys in America that reviewed it says they've just written a commercial suicide note. They, mm-hmm. You know, they thought it was going to tank, absolutely tank. Um, and for some reason it didn't. Experimental and clever, but personally. Yeah. It just but, doesn't for me. So Jack, um, got Jack, Goliath Jack, um, we've got some virtual panel guests, obviously, that will give us some votes and stuff. And Jack said, uh, Kid A is an, a, another record that deserves a spot on the list for its interesting ambient landscape and strange melodic and rhythmic structures. So that's, you know, Jack's take on what we're talking about is kind of the same, I think, John. He's just taking something else out of it. Um, mm. And I saw another view yeah, was about kind Jack, of more of the... Jack might... Sob. <laughs> what did you say? The... Jack Sob. Mm-hmm. Do you remember all the Jack... Uh, the Jack? Remember all the Miles Davis chat we had about, yeah. you know, funk... Uh, sorry, uh, electric jazz and all that kind of stuff. And there was bits of that in what they were recording. They were trying to do their own kind of, you know, bit of bitches brewing stuff and... So a, a lot of stuff you can see what they're doing. There's certainly not a lack of effort there, but it does feel quite difficult to get into. I've played it a whole bunch of times. Ian Smith, who's a big fan, has also voted on stuff tonight. Ian said it's the third worst Radiohead album. And he really likes Radiohead. Right, okay. Well, that is... That reminds me that there are two, two albums worse than this one, quite <laughs> frankly. Um, I didn't that, ask him what they were. That is a worry. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think you know, I think the point is made about how good they are as musicians, and they, they absolutely are. And I think um, they they got offered the record contract as a band called On a Friday before they became known as Radiohead, mm-hmm. and they turned it down because they wanted to go away to university and get an education, and that's what they did. Then yep. they came back together and you know got the band going again. I'm thinking, you know, that's fair play to them, you know, um, yeah. let's go and get an education rather than go down the rock and roll lifestyle right away. Yeah. You know, 18, 19 year old. So they could yeah. have still come uh, back and done, done some proper rock and roll, you know. I think they've I think they've Well I, I think arguably they did, Lisa. Try to be too clever. I think arguably from, you know, Ben Ben's and OK Computer. Oh, yeah. Um they were fairly rock orientated albums, you know. Yep. Um, I do prefer Ben's and OK Computer. Uh, but after that, they definitely went off the grid a bit. The one other thing to mention, just before we, we call a vote on it, is that 
irrespective of, of the love we have for the record, but it was kind of heavily influential at the time because if you, if you remember, that it was one of the first records that really got behind the internet online um, way of marketing stuff, which was one of the reasons it became so successful. And it was actually, it was leaked on Napster, which was at the time one of the, the big um, streaming platforms and they weren't that bothered about it. It was just their argument was, well, the more people that hear it, the better. And at the time, that was just alien. You know, you had to go to the record shop, buy an album. So whatever you think of streaming, again, these guys seemed to to be ahead of that game at that time, and it helped them to to go to a new record. This, there's a story somewhere about they went to play a gig in Germany, I think, where they were touring the album as a kind of like a warm-up thing, trying to get their head around the songs. Um, and they went to play in Israel maybe four days, five days later, and the crowd in Israel were all singing the songs and stuff because someone had bootlegged and streamed and put it up on a uh, an internet site and you know all, all I mean what is that twenty three years ago that that just wasn't a thing really at the time so um, yeah I just wonder whether they're always too busy looking ahead to the next thing rather than just concentrating on where they are yeah you know? I think you know on that I think you know you look at how the record was promoted and I think. Um, you know, no singles, as I mentioned earlier. Um, but I think they, they've been rather clever in how they've put that out there. You know, they put it in Amazon, Napster, as you say. It was played in full on a variety, you know, big radio stations. Yeah. So, you know, if we say no singles, they've actually, the record company's got behind this quite cleverly to get it out there and make a thing, you know, to get people interested in it. Still, but, does, but does not you. Why people would, would buy in it personally, but not not me. Okay, mate. Perfect. No, thank um, you. Hey, you know, just on the, the last point as well. Part of the reason they did go down this route is because Tom York was completely disillusioned with rock music and thought, you know, there's it's ran its course. Is he insane? <laughs> rock music? Is it ran its guitar music? No, there's, there's there's been a few times of there's been a few times I've written off guitar music to be fair. You know, that's a fairly regular thing, isn't it? Every 10, 15 years. It's such uh, a nonsense. They'll be writing off rock about next, John. Can't be doing that, mate. Um exactly can not be doing that. No. Yeah. A couple of big influences which I think we might be fans of. I I know certainly um one of them was Remaining Light, which we reviewed and voted in. Uh, talking Heads, that was kind of almost on, on repeat when they were listening, because, partly because that words thing, John, I think um, David Byrne came in and pretty much made up lyrics on the spot and stuff. Um, well, that's where they get their name, Radiohead's uh, name of uh, Talking Heads song. Yeah, absolutely. And the other one was the Beta Band. Mm-hmm. Mm. Um, and again, sort of personally, a bit of a fan of the Beta Band. So, I, you know, I, I, I'm actually very comfortable with some of the things they were, they were listening to and working through, but I'm not as comfortable with what's come out the end, so... Hmm. Okay, cool. Uh, all right. So, what do we have then? So, we've got at the moment um, our, our absent friend tonight, Mr. Patterson's a, a yes on this one. I can't um, believe that actually. I know John's particularly pleased about that. Um, and Dixon Telfer is a yes. Jack um, Goliath is a yes. Uh, but the other guys are no's. Ian Smith, uh, Caroline uh, Skin. Chris Thompson. Skin actually, Skin likes the record. He doesn't think it's a top 100 record. Um, Chris, I know. So. Hello there. A couple of days ago, we recorded episode 17 of Nothing Else Matters. And on that episode, we reviewed albums from Radiohead, Kendrick Lamar, Bob Dylan, Kanye West, and The Clash. Uh, myself, uh, Lisa and John were on that episode and for the best part of 90 minutes we, as we do, put the world to rights and it was great, great fun. Uh, we found out uh, at the end of the recording that the video link had stopped recording after about 20 minutes, which was pretty much all John uh, telling everybody how much he loved Radiohead. So we were left with a decision what we're going to do. And what we decided to do is to try and have a a very quick follow-up to that podcast where we will just um, reflect on the Radiohead discussion and then have a bit of a whiz through on the other four records 
and see if we can try and get some finality on that um, to get the, the podcast episode put to bed. So fingers crossed it works this time and, uh, and thanks for sticking with us. Take care now. Hello there. Good evening, everyone. How are we doing? Lisa, hi there. Hello, how are you? Good, thank you. John? Good evening, Brian. How are you doing? I'm very good, mate. Very good. Good to see you both again. And we've managed to get George on for this one, so we've got the bonus of getting the team back for um, for part two of this podcast. Hi, George. <laughs> exactly. Get out of you. <laughs> oh, we missed you. <laughs> I'm glad you came back. Um, right, okay, so uh, on on the first episode, we uh, managed to get the Kiddie Radiohead discussion pretty much on video, which was good, but we just got to the kind of vote stage for that. So guys, I'll give you all a chance just to, uh, plus George obviously wasn't on first one, just to give a quick um, summary of your take on Radiohead, and then we'll, we'll do the vote and we'll move on from there. John, you started the first one, mate, so I'm sure you remember how you, um, how you picked this one up, so all yours. Yeah, I did. Um, and I've actually revisited this album in the past couple of days and uh, and I've actually changed my opinion on it. It's actually worse than I said it was in the podcast. <laughs> Get, it Get out. Perfect. Lisa? Yeah. Um, I think I'm probably with John in that. I mean, apart from some nice acoustic guitar and some strings generally it's to me it's just a, a, a massive sound of doom and gloom um that it just created a, a feeling of unease for me and i would just say if you're needing che cheered up don't listen to this album okay well i do need cheered up it's sunday night george uh i didn't realize there was such hatred for this album <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's no pablo honey it's not the bends it's not um okay but I quite liked it. I, I thought it was quite good. It, it, it gave me a vibe of uh, like a rock version of Bitches Brew. And that's probably why John really dislikes it so much. Yeah. Uh, but you can definitely hear uh, Johnny Greenwood's like uh, soundtrack influences in there. So uh, I thought it was, I, it was, I don't think it's anywhere near as good as the, the three albums I mentioned before, but uh, I still think it's a pretty good album. And I okay. would listen. I would go back to it sonically. I think it's quite interesting. We we did say we thought it was a very interesting album. We just weren't sure it was a great album, if, if that makes sense. Um, yeah. So we we have six six sort of uh, virtual panel guests that have also put their votes in. So for Radiohead, we were two out of six that voted it in. Um, and Ian Smith, who's a big Radiohead fan, said it was the third worst Radiohead album <laughs> that they've ever done. So I, I I'd never had the time to ask him to list them all, but. Uh, but he voted it out. So um, so let's go around the room then. Uh, John, I'm pretty sure where this is going. No. It's a no. Lisa? No. And George? Thumbs up for me. Thumbs up. Uh, I was a no the last time, and I'll, I'll stick to that. Okay, so that, that is a... So three out of ten. So Radiohead Kid 8 is out. Okay, computer was in. We got that one earlier on. Okay, the next album that was on the list was uh, Kendrick Lamar to Pimp a Butterfly. So very quick summary of Rolling Stones justification from me. Uh, Kendrick Lamar had already proven himself hip-hop's boldest visionary. So by now, people expected greatness from him. But he topped himself with to Pimp a Butterfly, a sprawling, ambitious portrait of America and his dangerous place in it with a host of jazz influences. Quote, you can take the kid out of Compton, um, Apologies, just on top. Uh, quote, you take a black kid out of Compton and put him in the limelight and you find answers about yourself you never knew you were searching for, Lamar said. There's some stuff in there, man. It's a roller coaster. So that was To Pimp a Butterfly, released 15th of March, 2015. And we have a special, special guest that's joined us for this chat as well. Hi, Mikey. How you doing, mate? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Oh, it's so good to have talent on the, the podcast. Thank you very much for joining. Um <laughs> Lisa, I think you led, you led the last one. Do you want to give a quick summary of your take on that? Yeah, okay. So I thought um, I thought this record was pretty impressive just from the, the structure as like an extended metaphor to the rap and spoken word um, infused with jazz, old school funk, soul. Um, I think his lyrics really invite empathy um, for the 
sort of personal themes that I think he, he's exploring, you know, from black American culture, racial inequality, um, religion, and of course, all right. And I, I think I've been adopted by the um, Black Lives Matter movement mm. as, as anthems. Um, so yeah, I think it's a pretty important album. And I, and I have to say that I've listened to it again since the last podcast. And every time I listen to it, there's so many different layers. That there's always something more that I'm picking up on. Good. Yeah, I agree. It's cracking. Um, Team Patterson. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think I, I really love the mixture between it's like jazz and funk and rap. I, I think it's really impressive and all the lyrics. Um, I think Free is probably the, the best song on the album. And I, as I said, I, I couldn't agree more. Okay. Um, my, my son Jack also did a review, uh, Mikey, and he's word for word said what you said there. Um, absolutely loved it. One of his favourite records. So um, I think as oldies have, have been um, challenged here to step up to the plate on that one. George, do you want to come in as well? No. No, perfect. <laughs> um, John? Yeah, I liked it as well. I thought it was really nuanced. I think the lyrics are really, really clever. Um, a lot going on, wee bit jazz, G-funk. Thanks, Mikey. Uh, Thanks, Michael. He'll be back for Kanye. I bet. <laughs> Kanye. Um, yeah, I, I liked it. I was I was quite surprised actually how much I liked it, and mm. uh, it's definitely an album I would go back and listen to. Yeah, I concur with that. I, I think the more we listen to this, the more we like it. Is is my take yeah. on that? I like it anyway, but I, th I think it's only going to get better. Okay, so Lisa, definitely in. Yep, thought that. Um, well, Mikey was a, was a definite, right? And George, I think you're you're second for that as well. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll go along with that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. John. Uh, it's a yes for me. And it's a yes for me, which is interesting because of our uh, panel guests, two out of the six voted for it virtually, um, but that gives us another four voted, so it's actually six out of ten. So we've carried that one, which is um, which is quite good. So thanks for that. Um, so we've got two down. The next one we reviewed was uh, Bob Dylan, Highway sixty one revisited. So again, quite summary for this from Rolling Stone. Uh, Bruce Springsteen has described the beginning of Like a Rolling Stone, the opening song on Bob Dylan's Highway 61 Revisited, as, quote, snare shot that sounded like someone had kicked open the door to your mind. The rest of the album recorded in a shocking six days was just as revelatory. If anyone questioned whether or not Dylan had truly gone electric, the roaring rock and roll of From a Buick Six and Tombstone Blues, both powered by legendary guitarist Mike Bloomfield of the Paul Butterfield's Blues Band, left no doubt. The album ends with Desolation Row, a swirling 11-minute surrealist night journey of indescribable power that, in retrospect, seems to foretell all of the 60s cataclysms to come. That was Rolling Stone's Justification, Highway 61, revisited, released 13th of August 1965. George, do you want to give us a quick take on this one, mate? Uh, yes, this is... Um... It seems the kind of point, the, the jumping off point for Dylan going fully electric. Um, and it seems, again, to me, on listening back to it, I hadn't listened to it for a long time. Uh, the point where his um, the musicality was threatening to match the uh, lyrical content. Uh, and I think... After this album's probably, Blonde on Blonde's probably where it really took off, you know, with the uh, with the with the guys from the band. But it's it's pretty solid. Um, you know, you've got a couple of tracks in there that are absolutely killer. You know, obviously the, the, the lead-off track, Like a Rolling Stone, is now iconic. But Ballad of a Thin Man's probably my favourite track on the album. So, yeah, excellent stuff for Dylan. Not my favourite Dylan album, but still absolutely rock solid. Brilliant. Cheers, George. John? Yeah, I liked it. And, you know, those sort of three albums, this one being the middle one, and this one, I think, came out five months after he'd released Bringing It All Back Home, you know, which is pretty incredible when you think about it. Um, the lead track, you know, as George said, you know, I think that's one of the tracks of all time. You know, probably, and you know, if you're doing a list of hundred songs, I think mm -hmm. that would be in it. Um, I really like it, particularly that time. You know, for Dylan, and you know, the, the last song as well, uh, 
what's it, Desolation Blues or something mm. like that, 11 yeah. minutes. You know, it, it does hold the tension, you know, and it, it really has to if it's going to go that length of time. So I think it's a pretty solid album and I still think it stands up, you know, even all these years later. So, yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect, mate. Lisa? <clears throat> oh, um, I totally get the, the appreciation for Dylan um, and... I agree with George, it's not my favourite album, but I'm not generally a huge Dylan fan. Um, I don't know, it's just not my thing. Um, I know I'll get shot down for that, but um, I know that there's there's a couple of really fantastic, iconic songs on this, but probably my favourite Dylan songs are not on this album. And um, I'm going to be really cheeky and say that actually I probably prefer the ones that I do like, the cover versions of them. Okay. Um, but I do, I completely appreciate his greatness, the lyrics. You know me, I'm funny about voices. So it's just not something that I listen to very often. Despite that, I do totally appreciate it and get it. Okay. Um, so five out of six of our virtual panel voted it in. I think it was just Jack, um, Goliath, Jack, that he didn't really know the album particularly well. So he's sat on the fence. The rest of the guys all thumbs it up. I think we mentioned when we chatted before that um, earlier, back end of 64, um, they had met Dylan and the Beatles had met twice. And after that, there was a jumping off point for both of them. Beatles did um, Rubber Soul and Dylan did this one. And as George says, things were never the same again, really. So um, very important record for many, many reasons. Okay, um, George, are we in or out, mate? Yeah, I would say definitely. Not my favourite uh, Dylan album, but Solid enough. What's your favourite? Blood in the Tracks by a country mile. Might get the chance to chat about that soon. I hope so. Uh, John? It's in for me. Thank you. Lisa? Um, yes, it's in. It's in. Perfect. That's no, me. So I'm in as well. So that's uh, 9 out of 10 for that. Brilliant. That one's carried very easily, which flips us quite nicely into Kanye West. So um, you might want to give Mike a, a shout back. Is it there? Okay, quite a summary. Um, so from Rolling Stone, a relationship with Kanye West was still in its love-hate phase when he created the 21st century's most awe-inspiring hip-hop masterpiece. It's an album every bit as chaotic as he was at the time, from the creepy funk of Gorgeous to the crushing attack of Hell of a Life. The sonic overkill was lavish, but the record hit so hard because he mixed megalomania with introspect. Quote, you've been putting up with my shit just way too long, he wrapped on Runaway. West later called Dark Fantasy an apology record. Perhaps. In any case, that wisdom has proved fleeting. That was Rolling Stone's justification. My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy was released on the 22nd of November 2010. Uh, we'll go back to the Pattersons again, I think. So we got two for one down there. Mike, what do you think, mate? I thought it was a brilliant album. It's, uh, I think it's essentially Kanye West uh, apologising to everyone in his life that he's hurt. Um, and I think that Devil in a New Dress especially is, is phenomenal. The, just every single part of it, the, the lyrics, the, the music, the, the samples, it's all perfect. And just the, the album in general is amazing. I, I don't think it's as good as Graduation or Late Registration, which are both amazing albums in their own, but this album still is incredible. Fantastic. Um, my son Jack, word for word, said that he he said that it's so good every song could be a single on it. Yeah, there's yeah, there, yeah, there are agree. quite a lot of songs that Michael's put me on to Kanye West, and you know my distaste for the man before <laughs> me, Michael, but for walks on Sunday night, and yeah. Michael said, "No, you need to listen to this and listen yeah. to that." And th there was so much on it. Uh, his use of samples was oh yeah. Excellent, you know the the twenty first century schizoid yeah, man and Iron Man and things like that. You know he's he's really taken. It, Mike Oldfield was sampled in there as well. Gil oh. Scott Heron towards the end of the album. It was it was yeah. incredibly inventive for me, uh, and you know I was in a rush to judge the man as an artist early on, but. I have to take my hat off to him. That's, that's an album I will actually go back to again. And I'll bring the guys in here, but a lot of our chat concurred with that. I quite like the fact that he created a prog 
hip hop genre. <laughs> you, which is, you, you know, would, you? I, I would exactly. <laughs> Thank you, um, Lisa. I I I do love this record. Um, and when it came out, it was basically um, the soundtrack in my car every day. Um, probably mostly because my kids loved it. Um, but. <laughs> Some interesting um, liaisons in there, like George was saying, like um, the guy from Bonnie Ver. That's that's a, like I just wasn't I didn't realize that 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 he was so I was reading more about. It's quite interesting. Um, I like his attempt to um, you know address his own sort of delusions and the fact that you know in his own faults douchebaggery. Um, it's really quite. <laughs> It's really quite impressive in, in yeah. itself, but for me, um, comparing it to the um, Kendrick Lamar record, I feel that his his public persona kind of takes over just that wee bit. Um, and, you know, it's a messianic, messianic tendencies to, you know, like he actually thinks, you know, I am the greatest. And I think that's, there's a danger of that kind of taking over. But the record... Uh, as a whole, I, I do really like it. Yeah, we've been on a bit of a journey, we can you have me. Uh, John? I'd just like to say, Mrs. Welsh has just delivered another drink for me. Hey! Would you, like to, would you like to come on and review, can you? Oh, I'm sure she wouldn't, uh, actually. Um, I, like, I, I think there's a lot to like in this record. Um, I didn't, it just didn't connect with me. Um, but I'd love to know where he gets his influences from. You know, you've you've got Black Sabbath in there. You know, we talk about you know King Crimson. Um, he's quote you know quoting Rob Val. Um, so is he is he coming up with that, or is there people in the background that's suggesting it to him? I don't know. Um, but anyway, that's a separate thing. I think you know it's really polished production, um, <clears throat> and you know he's got a host of. Collaborators in there, Bonnie Viar, uh, Rick Wan, Nicki Minaj, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So it's a, it's okay, but I just it just didn't I just didn't feel the love personally for it. Okay, I uh, I I loved it, genuinely loved it. Um, so I I I think I mentioned before that Runaways now one of my favourite songs. Um, full stop. So uh, definitely, like George. Um, came to, to really appreciate what he's doing here. No surprise that we, we didn't have a lot of love for it um, from our virtual panel. We actually, nobody voted in, uh, including Jack Goliath, who said it's good, but um, he's, he's done better records, a bit like Michael said there. So so we're none for six, really. So um, we're struggling to get this one in, even if we wanted to get it all in. So, um, George. 100% yep. in for me. Very inventive, very entertaining. Cracking pop records, it's in. Absolutely. Um, Lisa? It's not in for me. It's not in. Okay, thank you. George? John, sorry. Uh, it's a no for me. And it's a yes from me. Um, so we're only two there, two out of ten. I think we were none for ten, I think, when we did it with his last one. So yeah. give us, give us uh, what is it, it's every ten years? Direction. Yeah, every ten years, the Rolling Stone do these. So maybe, maybe the next time we'll have a go at it. Okay, so he doesn't make it in, but um, there's a lot of good stuff in there for sure. I uh, really enjoyed doing that one. Okay, and the last one, hopefully finish on a bit of a high for this episode. Um, so John's just collecting himself here. Is uh, There's a clash with London calling. Okay, so again, quick summary. Uh, so, recorded in 1979 in London, which was then wrenched by surging unemployment and drug addiction and released in America in January 1980, the dawn of an uncertain decade. London Calling is 19 songs of apocalypse fueled by an unbending faith in rock and roll to beat back the darkness. The album was made in dire straits too. Although The Clash fired singles into Britain's top 40 with machine gun regularity, the band was heavily in debt and openly at war with its record company. Singer guitarist Joe Summer and Mick Jones, The Clash's Lennon and McCartney, wrote together in Jones's grandmother's flat where he was living for lack of dough. Joe, once he learned how to type, would bring bong the lyrics out at a high rate of good stuff. Jones noticed, then I'd be able to bang out some music while he was hitting the typewriter. Legendary producer Guy Stevens was on hand for inspiration too. He threw chairs around the room if he thought a track needed zapping up, according to Strummer. The album ends with Train in Vain, a rousing song of fidelity, originally unlisted on the back cover, that became the sound of Triumph, The Clash's first top 30 single in the US. 
So that's the last one for tonight. Rolling Stones, Summary of Class London Calling, released 14th of December, 1979. John, we're going to give you a bit of extra time, mate, for this one. Okay, but but, but not all night. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. You want me to go? All yours, mate. Right, okay. So here's, here's my, five. you know, what is it? Five pound double album. So that's, that's the battered version. And I've got the... Slightly more up to date one. Right. Um, I've got two, and I think I don't know if I can show you this. Yeah, up there <laughs> on the wall, yeah, Paul Simonon matching his bass guitar. Is that, so, a Mort- is that a Morton top in your wall there, John? No, that's I just I just caught the hoops, that was all. Yeah, yeah, it's green and white, mate. <clears throat> so I think this is quite frankly the best album of all time. The fact that someone believes there's 15 better albums than this, (laughs) the Rolling Stones magazine haven't a bloody clue, quite frankly. Um, I've owned this in cassette, vinyl, CD, box set. I've probably bought it more than any other album, given it away, left it at parties, whatnot. Fusing rockabilly, reggae, ska, jazz, rock. um, It's fantastic. I think Rolling Stone did vote it their album of the decade of the 1980s, and that's it's came out, I think it started in 1980 in America, but came out in 79 over here. I think they toured quite um, quite a bit in the States in 79, that was the first time they went there. And they had the likes of Sam and Dave, um, Screaming Jay Hawkins, Bo Diddley, supporting them. And they got a lot of influence, you know, from the States ahead of making this album. Um, they'd also sacked Bernie Rhodes, at the yep. time, um, and the lead up to it. So um, they'd been kicked out of the rehearsal, the rehearsals, the finances were in a bit of a state. So, you know, um, there was a lot going on. That one itself, the cover artwork was amazing. Ray Lowry did that. And then obviously the um, Penny Smith photograph is simming, um slightly out of focus, iconic photograph. You've got the band probably at the peak of the powers. Um, You've also got Mickey Gallagher from the Blockheads on there as well. Um, Guy Stevens producing it, who was absolute nutcase, <laughs> to, to put it mildly. I think um, he insisted, you know, when, when he was going into the studio every day, that the taxi stopped at Highbury, who's an Arsenal fan, and he went in, bent down, kissed the grass, back into the car, and away he went. And then... Um, very unorthodox methods, but you know, as a result, you know, you've got an, just an absolutely fantastic album. A couple of cover versions on there: Revolution Rock, Brand New Cadillac by Vince Taylor. Um, I don't know, a wee bit of trivia for you, but Vince Taylor, um, David Bowie, actually, that was one of the influences for Ziggy. It was Vince Taylor? Um, also, when they were recording it, the tourists were recording in. The studio downstairs, Nanny Lennox came up to to try and listen, and apparently she got very short shrift and told <laughs> where to go. Um, but it's 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 just fantastic, and of course, they they recorded demos for it, and um, their sound engineer Johnny Green was supposed to get those tapes to Guy Stevens, um, but he went to the pub, came out of the pub fell asleep on the London <laughs> Underground and left the tapes. And it, it actually written on the tape, Val Dunican. <laughs> so some somebody's picked up and oh, got Val Dunican tape here. It was a it was a clash. But that um those were lost, you know, for years. But I, I you know I, I just think it's an amazing album. Um full stop. There's definitely no 15 albums better than this to come with all due respect to whoever they are, this is the best album of all time and a double. Okay, well, we will be testing that when we go through the next 15, but it's, it's great to hear the love for it, and uh, you're right. You don't, don't need to test it. It's fact. Just trust me. Yeah, you, You're not on the next podcast, are you? It's my <laughs> Okay, thanks for that, John. Yeah, that's a great summary, mate. Brilliant. Um, Lisa? Well, apparently only really great music um, will give you goosebumps and put your hairs on end. And that unmistakable staccato start of 
London calling absolutely never fails. There's just something about that. And then launches into this brilliant album. And um, I just, I love all the mixture of rockabilly, um, reggae, ska, whilst talking about pretty bleak stuff, you know, consumerism, dead-end jobs, whatever. The, the, the themes might be quite depressing, but the music absolutely is far from that and is always uplifting. Um, great album. Brilliant. Thanks, Lisa. George? I don't know if it's the best Clash album. I know George's going to hate me for this because I'm a big fan of Sandinista. Uh, but it's... <laughs> George... I, I, do, I, love, I do love Sandinista. Um, you're, you're in good company. Ian Smith said it's the best album, Sandinista. I love Sandinista, but... I, I know, but it, it, taking this, I hadn't listened to it for a long time, so it was good to actually go back and listen to it. And it is, it's as good as John's saying. It's it's got to be up there with one of. If it's not one of the best albums of all time, it's one of the best albums at least of that era. Um, mm. Starts off with you know it's it's, it's full of the. the there's so much going on. There's mistakes in there as well. There's a mistake at the start of the second verse of London Calling and they kept it in. That makes it even more special for me. Um, even I, I, the cover of Brand New Cadillac, never never taken to because I, I prefer the original version of it. But that's a very, very minor uh, bugbear. The rest of the album's phenomenal. And I love... Things that lost in the supermarket, mm. train and train. I love those songs. There, there's a softness about them, mm. and a there's a a very light soul feel to it as well, mm. and that really appeals to me. So yeah, a, a phenomenal album. It's got everything. It, one of the the classic bass lines as well, and Guns of Brixton too. Mm. Um, it's it's got enough to make it a a top ten album. Never mind a top twenty album. So yeah. Fantastic stuff. Thanks, George. Well, it's top one, obviously, so I don't think that's in dispute now, John. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Uh, I, I absolutely loved it. So the thing I mentioned was that I forgot how good the lyrics were. Mm -hmm. I had gone back and listened to it all in detail, and some of his best lyrics were on this album. Absolutely. And, and Mike Jones, for that matter. So uh, we finished with a bit of a living. So of our six virtual guests, all six of them also voted in with various comments. Even Ian, who thinks Andy Easter's better. Um, it recognises how outstanding the album is and Carling Binney was a big fan as well so okay we'll, we'll do a check around the room John we'll start with you mate just so we can sign it off for posterity yes 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 that's three yeses right Lisa yes George I would give two thumbs ups but I'm holding the phone with the other hand <laughs> and I'm absolutely so we, we are actually finishing on a full house there 10 out of 10 um, for that and it genuinely as well deserved it's certainly in my lifetime it's one of the best records I've ever heard so which is fantastic okay so uh, tonight that gives us uh, Radiohead no Kendrick yes Bob yes Kanye no and Clash yes so that's another three to add to our list which I think gives us 55 out of 85 I think 65% okay uh, anything on those five albums that we've not mentioned that you want to mention before we just mention what's on the next one? Do you want to review it again, John? No. No, okay. <laughs> uh, good. Uh, okay, so on the next, uh, we're at top 15 now, so the next five are um, Public Enemy, It Takes a Nation of Millions to Hold Us Back, um, Rolling Stones with the best double arm ever, Exile on Main Street, Aretha Franklin, I've Never Loved a Man the Way I Love You, Michael Jackson Thriller and The Beatles Revolver. So it feels a fairly fairly heavy um heavyweights there coming into that one. Uh, any any comments on the new Beatles single just before we all sign off, since it's fairly topical? Oh you can't not love it. I just thought we'd ask while we're on. George, John? <laughs> I'm a fanatic. Sorry, George Beatles fanatic, so Tick I'm a Beatles, a Beatles absolute. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, 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 yeah. 
okay, I'll take that. John. I like there's, there's a bit of an emotional draw there, you know. It feels like an ending that yeah. maybe we didn't, ex nobody was looking for an ending, you know, but it kind no. of has been thrust upon us. And of course, the B-side was their first single, am I right? Mm -hmm. So it's yeah, fuck me too. from the, the beginning to the end. And it, it, it's kind of, there's something quite emotional for all Be Beatles fans, no. whether you think it's a great song or not. I don't think it's a great song. Uh, I, I'll, it, it's in my head now. It's, it's it's definitely in my head. My kids really like it. My mm. my, my my two youngest really love it. Uh, I thought the video was partially great. It was lovely seeing them look so. Vicky Riley was talking about it on Twitter a few days ago, looking so damn hot as when mm. they were younger. They've got real lovely clips of them when they were younger men, but it's almost spoiled by uh, Ringo and his, like, it's been recorded on somebody's old phone. <laughs> Ringo is standing beside them. The quality of George and John from the grave seems superior to Ringo. Yeah. He must have got his wife to just record the, him standing, singing along to it. That sort mm. of jarred a wee bit, but there was the the emotion of you know what the Beatles did and you know how they affect me is not going to be affected by this goodbye song. But it was quite nice to see the whole world almost stopped to listen yeah. to that song, you know, on that one day at two o'clock. That was that's quite remarkable. Years after mm. one of them's been dead, you know, like decades, forty odd years after John Lennon's death, the whole world stopped to hear the last Beatles record, so yeah, in that respect, it's good. It keeps it alive. It does indeed. Thanks for George. That's nice, John. Yeah, I've, I've really only heard probably two thirds of it, so I've had a busy weekend, so I need to go and okay. Give up. Was, it was topical. I thought I would ask. I know we've chatted about the Beatles quite a lot, and we just happen to have one on the next um, episode as well. <laughs> so I, I actually thought Ringo was going to um, break into Gangnam Style. At one point on the, the video. He certainly dressed for it, wasn't he? He certainly was. I was getting a bit worried. So um okay, great guys. I can't thank you enough for um, for coming back on for this one. John Lisa and George, great, you could make it, mate. Really appreciate that. I never swore um, as well. There was no swearing either. It's the first one, I think, isn't it? Do you, want to, you want, do you want to break that before we go? <laughs> you just weren't given enough time. I know. I need to what? work up to my profanity. It's on the Sabbath. Maybe it's not allowed. Um okay. Thank you very much, guys. Really appreciate that. Enjoy the rest of your night and we will catch up with you all soon. Okay, take care now. Thanks. All the best. Thank, Thank you. you. Bye. Bye.